This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, as as we come before you today, we ask that you would send your spirit and that you would move in us, that you'd move in us to trust in you more deeply, that you would move in us, that we would see your love more greatly, that you would move in us, that we would give you the worship and the praise and the glory and honor that only you are due. Lord God, as as we come to you today, we ask that you reveal yourself to us and that we see you, our rock, our redeemer, our savior. In the powerful and saving name of Jesus, we ask these things, amen. For many of us, if we just hear the words like summer vacations, our mind goes back to some fond memories. Maybe it's soaking up some sun rays on an ocean beach. Maybe it's us walking through some valleys in the tall grass or hiking up the mountains or, or maybe splashing water on the lake. Today, as Pastor Ben mentioned, we're beginning a new series called Summer Vacations. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to go to various places, locales in the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament. And as we go there, what we're going to see is God's timeless truth, okay? So it's not just for the people way back then, but for us today. So we go into this series, what we're going to see is God meeting people where they're at. People, you and me, where we're at, whether we're in the wilderness, the mountains, the valley, the lake, wherever it might be. He'll meet us with his grace and with his power. So as we begin this series, you know all about the countdown to vacation time, right? We got a, a month to go. Two weeks to go, seven more days, and we'll be on vacation. 72 hours, and we will be there. But if you're like me, as that vacation time begins to count down closer and closer, you start to thinking, I've got like a million and one things to do, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get it all done. We have some trust issues. And today, the question that we're going to answer is, how do we overcome our trust issues? So today, as we pick up the storyline in the Old Testament, in the Bible, we see the the children of Israel, and, and they can't wait to get out of Dodge, okay? They're ready, they're pumped, they wanna get out of Dodge, and Dodge for them is slavery in Egypt. They've been there for centuries. God gives Pharaoh plenty of opportunities to make good choices, but time and time again, he doesn't make the good choice. And so now God needs to intervene. God needs to do a lot of things before the nation of Israel is going to be free to go. For some of us, those those things that God needs to do, we know them as the 10 plagues. It's what God needed to do to step in for the nation of Israel. 
Some of those plagues, right? Maybe you'll remember them. One was God turning the Nile River into a river of blood. Another one of the plagues is where God sent gnats into the, the whole land of Egypt. They were just packed with gnats. When the people opened their mouths to talk, gnats flew in. When they went to grab a bite to eat, the gnats flew in. The gnats were in their ears, there in their nose. It was horrible. It was a plague, okay? It was a plague. Another plague that God sent was the hailstorm that destroyed the crops in Egypt right before they were ready to be harvested. And then the pivotal plague, the last one, the plague of the death of the firstborn son of every family in Egypt, both human and animal. And after that devastation, then Pharaoh says, okay, you guys can go. And Moses then leads the people on what we would call the Exodus, leads them on the journey from Ramses in Egypt. And check it out, as they leave, their suitcases are packed. They are packed full of gold and silver and jewelry from the Egyptians. Okay? And their first stop is a place called Succoth, okay? And Succoth, I'm not sure if it was named that before uh, the children of Israel or after, because that name means tent. Succoth means tent in Hebrew. And so it was there that the Israelites went camping. They went tent camping, okay? And this was awesome for them. They were free. They enjoyed the novelty of it all. And then from that point on, what happened in this journey is God led the children of Israel in the daytime with a pillar of cloud and at nighttime with a pillar of fire. Now, I don't know about you, but as I try to picture that in my mind, my mind, my mind goes to the nighttime and how that fire must have been so brilliant out in the darkness of the desert and leading those people. It must have been an awesome sight. The people had to know that God was with them. Okay. One of the next places they came to and is, is a place that I'm gonna call Pihahiroth. Now, if that's exactly how you pronounce it, I don't know, okay? But it's maybe it's just like Oconomowoc for people who aren't from Wisconsin, all right? But, it, but it's at this place, this Pihahiroth place, right? where things become troublesome, okay? Uh, much more troublesome than when we're on vacation, we're on the, the airplane and, and we're tired and we're hungry and we're thirsty and the stewardess and the stewards are down the center aisle doing cabin service and, and they're just a couple of rows in front of us. We can't wait to get something to drink, a little beverage and, and all of a sudden the plane tilts a little bit and ding, the seatbelt light comes on. Right, And the, the captain goes, hey, we're going to have to interrupt our cabin service due to a little bit of turbulence. No, what the children of Israel are going through here is not a little bit of turbulence. Uh, it's, it's horrifying. Pharaoh goes, uh-oh, I shouldn't have let them go. And he marshals up his army, and they are in pursuit of the nation of Israel. Okay? And it appears that the nation of Israel then is in great trouble. Because on one side of them, they got Pharaoh and the world at the time, the world's most powerful army coming. 
And on the other side of them, they've got the Red Sea. And they start grumbling and complaining. They are afraid. We know what it's like to grumble and complain when we're away from home, right? when we're on vacation. You know, we, we've got to sign into our airline 24 hours ahead of time to get our boarding position. Right? And so we set the uh, alarm on our, on our phone so that we can be sure to get in there right at 24 hours because you know that 24 hours in one minute doesn't work because you've tried it, Right? And you can't get in until 24 hours. And, and so you're right there and maybe you woke up early or maybe you interrupted your day, but you had to check in right at 24 hours. And you do at 24 hours and you get the coveted boarding position of B58. And you're like, really? I interrupted my sleep. I, I, I changed the whole day around to get B58? Why bother? Or if you're driving and not flying, you know what it's like while you're going to your destination and all of a sudden this orange sign shows up that says, construction ahead. We know all about complaining when we're away from home. We go to the hotel and we're just chilling in our hotel room and we can hear the hallway is just loud. Kids are running up and down the hallway and then you can hear some parent yell down the hall, hey, get back here, you know? We're like, really? And then the coffee in the hotel room? We hope it's going to be good, but we're kind of suspect of it. And, and, and the next morning we wake up and, and we make some of that coffee. And, and sure enough, we were right. That coffee's horrible. We know about that. We know about complaining and grumbling. And, and we go to the restaurant and the restaurant, because we're in a touristy area, the restaurant is packed. The prices are high because it's a tourist spot. And they're understaffed, and so the service is slow. We grumble and complain. And if you have children, you know even more, right? Are we there yet? How much further? I'm tired. I'm bored. I want to go home. I'm thirsty. I want something to eat. He's looking at me. I got to go to the bathroom. Even though you asked them 10 times five minutes ago before you laughed if they need to go to the bathroom. We know all about the grumbling and complaining. The nation of Israel is out there in the wilderness in worry, anxiety, and panic. They were worried and they were afraid and they grumbled and complained and they let Moses have it, okay? And Moses said to them, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Keep calm. And you thought that was a 21st century thing, right? Just keep calm. And so the Lord's going to fight for him. So guess what? Who, who's in trouble really is not the nation of Israel, but who's in trouble is Pharaoh in the world's greatest army. 
Moses is instructed to stretch out his hand over the Red Sea, and as he does so at nighttime, the sea begins to part, and walls of water began to form. And before you know it, there's dry ground right through the middle there, and the whole nation of Israel goes through on dry ground. And when the morning comes, Moses is instructed to stretch out his hand over the Red Sea again. And as he does so, Pharaoh and that world-class army is right there in the middle of that Red Sea. And as Moses stretches out his hand, that water comes cascading down and not only drenches Pharaoh and that world's best army, but drowns them all. God was fighting for Israel. And as Israel looked back over their shoulder, having just walked through on dry ground, looked back over their shoulder and that army is gone, they must have been saying, our God is an awesome God. A few days later, after making a a few more stops, they end up in a a place called the desert of sin, okay? Now, the word sin here, the Hebrew word sin, that's not our word sin. They're going to sin while they're there, but that's not what it means, okay? The word sin in Hebrew means clay or thorny. In other words, the ground that they're walking on is hard, and there's nothing but thorns around. It doesn't Produce or support life. There's no vegetation there. There's nothing to eat. And the children of Israel, ready for it? They began to complain and grumble. Even though, even though they had just seen these 10 plagues not long ago, Even though they had just seen the Red Sea part, even though they had seen other miracles around them along the way, they complained. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We would never do that. Or would we? Imagine you. You're out in the desert, you're out in the wilderness and you haven't eaten for three days. What are you saying? What is your attitude, really? I think we could say something like, this stinks, or something a whole lot more vernacular and profane. I think if if we were there, we'd be leading the revolt Because, you know, after all, we're the ones with the big refrigerators in our homes that are packed full. And and we look inside them and, and we say, repeat after me, there's nothing to eat in this house. There's nothing to eat in this house. And we think they had trust issues. We have trust issues. And so what did God do? In the middle of all that grumbling and complaining the nation of Israel is doing. This is what the scripture says. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight, you will eat meat. And in the morning, you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. 
that evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the Omar, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. The children of Israel, they're grumbling, they're complaining, they're upset. They're ticked off. They're going, man, I'd rather be in Egypt in slavery than out here. And what does God do in the middle of all that? Does God discipline them? No. Does God punish them? No. In the middle of their grumbling and complaining, God provides for them. Again, God is faithful. How do we overcome our trust issues? Remember, God provides for us. God's provisions for us are not based on our character. They're based on his character. And the more you and I take our eyes off our character and look upon God and his character, our trust in him grows. And that's super important. Because like the children of Israel, Some of us are going through the wilderness of tough times right now. Our life aches. It aches. Our bones ache. Our joints ache. Our heart aches. Our brains ache. And we wonder if we can handle it. And and sometimes we even wonder if God will or can handle it. For some of us, we're, we're going through the wilderness of worry. We're, we're afraid of, of something bad that, that, that might happen in the future. Maybe it's because as, you know, we, we look back, some bad things, some negative things have, have happened in our life. And, and so we're just kind of waiting for the next shoe to drop. We're worried about that. Or, or maybe we, we've been, you know, it, life for us has been pretty good, but, but we know where a life for other people hasn't been so good. There's been some negative things that have happened and, and we're worried that that's gonna happen to us. I've heard worry defined this way, worry is having faith in the negative. For some of us, 
that may have hit a little bit too close to home. Worry is faith in the negative. For some of us, we're going through the wilderness of anxiety. What if? What if this happens? What if they don't like me? What if, what if my children don't love me because we're not able to go on summer vacation this year? What if I don't get the job? What if I go to that event? What will I say? What will I do? What if people find out that I, I really don't have it all together? What if people find out my, my family and I were not even close to perfect? What if I'm not enough? We want to know all about the future. Because we've got control issues because of anxiety. We want to know about the future so we can prepare ourselves, so we can act the way we're supposed to act, so we can keep up the facade. And this anxiety has got us so stuck in one place. We're just paralyzed. The only thing that's moving is our stress level and our stress hormones and our blood pressure. And those things are skyrocketing. For some of us, we're going through the wilderness of depression, despairing of life itself. It's so hard. It's so lonely. It's so painful. Anyone else would have given up by now. And you felt like it. And you've thought about it. And the enemy has come to you and has talked to you about it. But every time the enemy shows up and wants to turn you to dust, God has appeared and has surrounded you and protected you. And you are here today because of that. See, depression doesn't hold tomorrow. God does. Tomorrow belongs to God. And as we go through the, the wilderness, how important that is to keep in mind. See, the, the barren wilderness is everywhere. The bills are everywhere. The burdens of obligations and responsibilities and relationships, they're everywhere. It's in your thoughts. It's painful. And you're walking in it right now. But God is also walking in it right now with you. And he's actually holding you. See, the, the wilderness of today is trying to rob you 
of tomorrow's favor. God is with you. God is faithful. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 28, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. How do we overcome our trust issues in good times or bad times? At all times, remember, God is holding you. Historically, when, when people go on a journey, when they try to get from point A to point B, there have been like two models to follow, the map or the GPS or the compass. Okay. The map and GPS, they tell us the routes and, and the highways and all those kinds of things and when to take a right and when to take a left. And the compass, it just gives us a, a general direction, like due north, right? It just kind of guides our steps. If you're like me, you, you like the GPS. <laughs> go here this far, take a left here and go on. But the, the thing is, as the, the wildernesses that we go through, they keep changing. And if we've got a, a GPS or a map, we're gonna, we're gonna end up in the wrong place or we're gonna end up keep rerouting and going in circles. We need a compass to follow. We need to go in a general direction. God gives us a compass. That compass that God gives us is the cross of Jesus Christ. See, the cross, when you look at the cross, when you look at the compass of the cross, what you see is God's provision for you. What you see is God fighting for you on your behalf. What you see is God's favor and grace and mercy. What you see is God's faithfulness. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Check it out. Jesus trusted God in our place in the wilderness. Oh, yeah. Jesus knows all about the wilderness. He knows all about being so lonely he knows all about being rejected by the people he came to save. He knows what it's like to be rejected by his friends and even his family. The scripture says of Jesus that there were times in his life where he had no place to lie his hat. So, so what that means is when the, the sun went down and nighttime came, Jesus didn't go home because he didn't have a home. He was homeless. Jesus knows all about our wildernesses. Jesus knows all about our wildernesses. He went to his friends and he said to them, he's just being honest. He goes, man, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. 
Jesus, no. And in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of the horrific times, Jesus trusted God. Listen to this from Matthew chapter 26. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He trusted God in the most horrific of circumstances. In our place, for all the times we didn't trust God, even in the most beautiful and wonderful of places. Jesus was forsaken by God so that you and I wouldn't be forsaken by God. Jesus trusted God that even though he would die, he would rise again, and he did rise again. And because he lives, you and I will live. You see, because of his faithfulness, his faithfulness, you and I are declared faithful. See, sometimes... We just got to go to God. I said, God, I, you got to be you in this time. How do we overcome our trust issues? Jesus is our redeemer. Trust for us in our place. See, you and I, we, we can't see what God can see. We can see up to the corner, but God can see around the corner. And so when all heck breaks loose, and I'd use the other word, but we got small kids here. When all heck breaks loose, when tears are streaming down our face, when we can't move an inch, we can be like the man in scripture whose son was possessed by a demon. Notice I didn't say this guy was sick. He was, Satan had overtaken his body. And the man went to Jesus and said, my, my son, if you can heal him, would you do that? And Jesus is like, if? Anything's possible for the one who believes. And so the man prayed. The man called out what you and I can call out. Lord, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. We can pray like that. And you know why we can pray like that? Because God is faithful. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. 
for video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.